Hey there, we're coming at you from the green couch here at BCP. I'm your host, Kelly Rogers Strahan, and with me today is co-host Catherine Berlin. Today we're going to be listening to part two of a conversation we had with Barry Demp. If you haven't had a chance to go listen to part one, what are you doing? Yes, go back! Stop now and go take a listen. You can find part one on our website, blomecreative.com, or by subscribing to our podcast. You can find links to all of Barry's resources in our show notes. Here we go! And so another one of um, these main points that you have is to take massive action. Um, And so I was hoping you could speak a little bit to that as well. Okay. Uh, In my early career, when I was in the pharmaceutical industry, I was a rookie sales representative, one of those legal drug dealers, right? And I worked for Upjohn, so Upjohn had a product called Motrin. So as a rookie sales representative, um, I didn't have a lot of experience. So there's an acronym called ASK. A stands for activity, like massive activity. S stands for skill. And K stands for knowledge, ASK. So, you know, if you want to be more successful, just ask. So in the early years of my career, I would be quite the go-getter. And I could make eight or nine or 10 physician calls per day but we were only asked to make six and the veterans that were doing the same job as i was doing they would get annoyed at me (laughs) because i made them look bad on paper my challenge was i was not very skillful and i was not particularly knowledgeable so they had the skill and the knowledge about what they were doing all i could bring to the party was a massive amount of activity so when I work with my clients, we want them to, number one, be in action. So sometimes if you use a baseball as an analogy, you know, if you are playing baseball and for every 10 at-bats you get two hits, you're batting 200. But if you really, 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 really practice, take massive action, practice a lot at your batting, then suddenly you're going to get better and better and better to the point where you're going to get three hits out of 10. So in addition to that action and practice and so on, what if I become more skillful? So I'm more skillful of getting the bat on the ball. My batting average goes up. And what if I'm more knowledgeable about the, bat, uh, the pitchers that are throwing the ball at me? So the combination of massive action combined with increasing someone's skill and increasing their abilities and their knowledge will allow that person to be more successful. But in the early stages of anything, it simply requires a volume of activity. So there's a, a, a book that was called The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. And he talked about the concept of the rule of 10,000 hours. So they say that when you practice something for 10,000 hours, you can become far more masterful. Mm-hmm. So that idea of massive amounts of activity in those areas of great engagement allow people to create not only competency, but quite a high level of mastery and a great deal of success. Can you give me a specific example of how you've applied this in a coaching relationship in the business world? Sure. Uh, Let's think about something that somebody does on a routine daily basis. And let's say uh, they, uh, they go to a lot of meetings. And they go to a lot of meetings that are either mediocre or downright lousy. So getting better and better and better at engaging and creating 
uh, healthy, collaborative, cooperative, exciting, interesting, and fun meetings would be something worth practicing. So they could practice things like uh, their use of open-ended questions, their ability to layer, to draw ideas out of other people, to do more creative brainstorming, and so on, so that these meetings are things that people would look forward to as opposed to dread, perhaps. So if you look at any particular skill, it could be uh, you know talking to your spouse or talking to your children and being a better listener. And that's a skill that I want to. So I have one mouth and two ears. I'm going to use them proportionally and become a far better listener and therefore a better communicator and enhance my relationships. Mm -hmm. So wherever we have a high desire for progress, simply looking at the vital behaviors in that area and engaging more of those behaviors will help you be more successful. So this massive action um, concept that we're talking about, it seems like anybody can do it. I don't know if you would agree with that. That anybody can, you know, kind of put in the effort that it requires to um, make a positive change in your life. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it all begins with uh, that desire for whatever future you want. And if we believe that a particular behavior or action is consistent with that, you know, just simply getting up to bat and swinging away. But if you happen to find that enjoyable and you like that activity and so on, it doesn't feel like work, it feels like play. And if we could actually make work more playful, more engaging, more rewarding, then the activity won't feel like a burden for people. You know, just the word work and the word play. You know, when I was growing up, that phrase, you cannot go out and play until all the work is done, was almost like a mantra. But what if work was more playful? So you at Bloom Creative Partners have playground rules, don't you? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. We try to How look by them. <laughs> I still remember that. So that idea, like, isn't that a nice way to have people of all generations, you know, go to work and have this sense of playful productivity mm -hmm. and engagement and, and you know, joyful self-expression and so on. But, you know, most organizations don't feel that way for many people. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I feel, so do you think that would relate to using the right side of your brain then um, a little bit more to try to enhance that? Well, I do believe that uh, being innovative and being creative and exploring alternative possibilities is very uh, important. Uh, in your industry, uh, right brain thinking in a predominantly left brain world, you know, Daniel Pink wrote a book years ago called A Whole New Mind. And it was all about right brain thinking, which is one of the reasons that America uh, is uh, still a leader in many, many, many areas. Because it's very hard to outsource uh, that type of thinking and that type of creativity, although you know artificial intelligence is making efforts to try to do so. <laughs> but, but I feel that you know, uh, for some people, exercising that component and element of their brain uh, some people simply find out they are habitually left brain people and they're linear and analytic and they have difficulty with the right brain activities. But that's an area that they can take massive action on and right. expand the capacities in that area as well. Mm -hmm. right. So do you have any exercises for left brain people who want to um, sharpen the right side of their brain a little more? Well, you know, there's no specific exercises, but in Daniel Banks' book, what he basically did was he participated in the arts. 
So things related to music or things related to drawing or things related to painting or things related to sculpture or you know even you know graphic design or whatever it may be you know for me my uh, perhaps one of my greatest creative expressions is is cooking i'm a pretty good cook and i can open up a refrigerator and find a bunch of stuff in there and put it together in a unique and different way with spices and other things and have it taste good and then people say well what's the recipe for that and i can't necessarily give it to them but i kind of know how things combine and I find that a joyful and relaxing way of uh, uh, engaging in that right side of my brain. Hmm. You should stop by over here and make us some lunch sometime. <laughs> Sorry, I'm volunteering you and your right brain. <laughs> Deliveries. No, just kidding. So becoming a masterful networker and building your social capital is one of the points that you have on here for your best practices. And I feel whenever I go into classrooms and try to teach you know, students here at either the universities, um, I always think that this is the most important part for them, and I noticed that was on your list, so I was wondering if you could just kind of touch base on it and what you typically coach and why that's important to people. Sure. Um, you know, sometimes uh, the word networking gets a bad rap, mm -hmm. and when you really look at people who engage in that uh, particularly well, it's about giving and not about getting. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, the, the beginning networking person is networking to get a new client or get a new project or to uh, acquire something. And when people bring that attitude to their networking, it has people kind of avoid them. Well, on the other hand, networking is an, an opportunity to give and to contribute. So the old phrase, givers gain, but we give to give, not to gain. Mm -hmm. So uh, years ago, there was a professor from the University of Michigan who wrote a book, and his book was entitled Achieving Success Through Social Capital. And basically, he was able to prove that relationships really were valuable. So one place to look is where do all or the majority of jobs actually come from? And the answer is probably it's through recommendations and through other people. So who, who knows you and who likes you and who trusts you and therefore would connect you uh, with somebody else that had a particular opportunity. Mm -hmm. So when we go into a networking uh, opportunity, it's important to take the time and energy to get to know people, who they are, what they do, what they're good at, what their superpowers are, why they're terrific. And if those people over time convince us that they are a tremendous resource, that they are highly talented, highly capable of great value, then at some point in time, we would share that individual and that person's talent and abilities with other people in our network. So I use a CRM system called ACT, and over my 26 years of coaching, I have amassed a network of over 12,000 people. And I've been on LinkedIn, which is the business-to-business -business social media site, since 2003. And I've acquired uh, somewhere around 9,300 relationships there. Wow. But many of those relationships I have met in person, and I know them and they know me. Mm -hmm. 
So when I meet these people, I have the opportunity of sharing who I am and what I do. They have the same opportunity of sharing who they are and what they do and where I can contribute them and their services to somebody else in my network, I do so. And in turn, they are somewhat my sales force to say, I know a pretty great coach in Troy, Michigan that you might want to talk to. Mm -hmm. But we're both trying to contribute to uh, people, whether it be directly or indirectly with other members of our network. So that's what we mean by being somewhat of a social capitalist to realize that relationships are incredibly valuable, both objectively and subjectively. But we try to be more generous by our sharing of those relationships uh, with the intent to contribute to others. And conversely, uh, if we're good at what we do, they share who we are and what we do with other people in their networks. Definitely, so it's all about kind of being that giver and contributor to the, to the connections that you're making. Yep. On my business website, which is dempcoaching.com, your listeners can download a free 25 or so page workbook on masterful networking. And all they have to do is put my name, Barry Dent, with no spaces, and they can download that book for free. Hmm. No, that's, that's a great resource. Thank you. Thank you so much for telling us about that. And it just... Um, it's and it's funny because this really ties into everything else that we've talked about. So you want to be the you know the strongest professional that you can take massive action you know to to address your weaknesses and be a team player um, and just be the best you can be so that you know when you go to network with others you are an asset you know and you are t top of mind for them um, and they're excited to share you with their network um, and you know and you're confident that you're making um, good connections as well. Couldn't say it better myself. <laughs> Good job. You learned today. I yeah. learned today. That's true. <laughs> you're, you're, very, you're very coachable. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. So I was hoping to wrap up here by talking about um, one point on your list that I particularly enjoyed, which was the be a giver, a contributor, and a person that makes a difference and a coach for others. And so I wanted to know what your thoughts were on how in the workplace we can help each other incorporate these best practices. Um, to make a you know a, be a better team atmosphere. That's great. Um, you know, uh, a lot of my work over the years has been coaching key leaders to help them build what I call a coaching culture. And a coaching culture is kind of that phrase where uh, a rising tide lifts all ships. So instead of a competitive environment, this idea that we take a stand for our individual and collective contribution and we try our very best to bring out the best of other people so that contribution can be part of that team effort so a coaching culture is somewhat of like an inside out approach to things engaging people in stretching and growing and evolving and taking new ground as individuals and as new members of the team so that idea that we're here for one another, as well as we're here for our customers and clients and the people that we serve. But instead of I win and you lose, it's really looking to find the win-win. And when we understand what winning looks like to the individuals and what winning looks like to being a member of a team, then we understand how we can contribute to that overall effort. But we have this sense of that my comrades and my colleagues 
and my team members are taking a stand for my, my growth and my learning and my evolution as a professional. And then we, in turn, do that for other people. So uh, you know, we do that uh, in our lives outside of work. We call that sometimes parenting. We all want our young children or our growing children to thrive and to be successful. And but using a coach approach to parenting is a very successful way of bringing forth and bringing out their authentic capacities to be on their journey. And again, it makes them do the work versus, you know, I'm the parent and I know better and do what I tell you to do. You know, most children and most people in general do not like that approach. So this inside out coach approach is a very successful way of engaging individuals and communities of team members in uh, producing better individual and collective results. I can definitely tell um, where that philosophy has come into play in this company, because I know that you've done extensive work with Jeff. Um, and that, you know, co collaborative, we all take, um, you know, initiative to help us be a better team and to help each other learn and we're kind of all in the same boat that attitude is really prevalent here and i can just say that it just makes a huge difference um when you when you feel that um so well you're pointing to one of the most significant benefits of coaching and that is it's sticky and it's sustainable people like jeff who have those values and have that leadership intention to create that kind of community take that message and they make it their own. And they continue those efforts well beyond any specific engagement they may have with myself. And that's really one of the key takeaways about this idea of learning. Most people study for a test and a week or two later, they forgot 70% of what they learned. The key to coaching is it's sticky, it's sustainable, it's habitual. It maintains that momentum, especially when people in that organization continue to put forth the effort and build on those skills and abilities. So it's really the stickiness and sustainability that has had the whole coaching profession grow at the rate that it has over the last couple of decades. Yeah, definitely. So when do you know someone is done being coached? This will be my final question, unless Kylie has anything else. When, when has somebody arrived and you know, you're like, wow, my job here is done? <laughs> well, uh, I always tell my clients there's two things that need to happen in a coaching relationship. I say my job is to remain relevant to the people that I work with. And then your job is to use me up. So when I become less relevant or you feel that you've used me up, then you simply would move on to the next resource or the next coach or the next uh, iteration of yourself. So. Uh, some people, when they pursue a gap, professionally or personally, and when they somehow realize that gap and reach that vision or reach that goal, and if they're satisfied and they want to stop, that's when they're done. On the other hand, many people that I work with are never done. It's always a matter of what's next, what's next, what are the other priorities, where do I want to go? And it doesn't mean they're never, ever done. But I like the idea that we're all works in progress and that we all want to be the best versions of ourselves, both professionally and personally. So my dad is 92, so I want to be a great son. My wife and I have been married 39 years. I want to be a wonderful husband. My son's 32. My daughter's 31. I want to be a great dad. 
Five and a half months ago, my daughter gave birth to our first grandchild. I want to be a great granddad, a grandfather. Uh, I go wake up in the morning, go to the gym. I meditate in the morning. I'm a vegan. I meditate. I do all these things to keep on my journey. I read voraciously. I like blogs, and I blog every day called The Quotable Coach and make that available to people that are interested in quotes and, and doing some work themselves. So I kind of feel that for some people, there, we're never done. It just may pick up the pace or slow down a little bit depending upon what's going on. But when, uh, when they have arrived and feel satisfied and they kind of are good uh, coasting for a while, then we let them kind of take it on their own. And sometimes that's when the balance changes, too, is what you were talking about earlier. Uh, I'll, li- I'll leave you and, and your listeners with a, what I call the four magic words. And, and this is actually somewhat of a balancing uh, technique that my clients use throughout their work with me and beyond their work with me. And the magic words are more and less and start and stop. So when we look at our world, both professional and personal, what are the mores of life? More of this, more of that, whatever it may be. And also, what are the lessons where if we kind of pull back and do less of those things, that would actually be a contribution. And when we do less of certain things, or the last word, stop, we make room for what we call the starts of life. So I may want to start a hobby, or I may want to start doing something that I haven't had time for, so to speak. So when my clients and I are talking to each other, we're constantly assessing the more or less start-stop of a situation. And we need to build uh, you know, uh, gaps in time and energy so that they can allocate them in a more authentic and genuine way. So even at the time when we complete a coaching relationship, we may do a more or less start-stop evaluation and they simply wanna take that on for themselves. And it may be I might work with somebody through uh, the end of May and they want to take the entire summer off and see what they're able to do uh, you know, uh, from this point on and we can check in with each other in September. Mm-hmm. But that kind of keeps them in this mindful, self-aware, iterative process where they actually have internalized the coaching process and can pivot whenever they wish. Because pivoting is nothing more than self-coaching. Mm-hmm. I like that. That sounds quotable. <laughs> the other thing that I encourage my clients to do is uh, I encourage them to sign up for my blog, which is simply called The Quotable Coach. And every Monday through Friday, I take a quote that's thought-provoking or provocative. I provide a coaching commentary for that, and I give the reader an exercise or a question so that they can apply it to their life. It takes under a minute to read and it gives them something to uh, kind of noodle over and work on uh, in a very brief period of time. And for those people who are really, really interested, some of them actually buy my book, which is called The Quotable Coach, Daily Nuggets of Practical Wisdom. And that has an entire year's worth of quotes and commentaries and exercises where they can go one page at a time and bounce around the book and even discuss that with their coworkers or family members over a meal or, or something like that. 
I know I've definitely found a lot of value in that, even just following it for a short time. So we'll definitely be linking to that um, for all of our listeners. Do you want to tell our listeners where we can contact you or where they can find more information out about you and the services you provide? Sure. Well, uh, my phone number here in Troy, Michigan is 248-740-3231. I'm always happy to talk with people instead of going through email. But my email is barry at dempcoaching.com. Uh, I have a very active LinkedIn presence, and I'm very happy to uh, accept pretty much most LinkedIn invitations uh, and see where that might go as well. Uh, so you can look me up that way. Uh, I am honored for people to sign up for the Quotable Coach. I would encourage people, if you're interested, the three workbooks that I wrote that are free are on dempcoaching.com. The topics, again, are masterful networking, masterful relationships, and time management strategies and tactics. Each of those books takes about 15 to 20 minutes to read. It's downloadable in either PDF or digital file, but you must put my name, Barry Demp, in when they ask you for a password, mm -hmm. but otherwise it's free. All right. That's awesome. A great resource. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your time. It's my pleasure. Thank you for joining us for our conversation with business coach, Barry Demp. You can find links to all of the resources Barry mentioned in our show notes below. You can hear more from us by visiting bloomcreative.com or finding our podcast on iTunes. Until next time.